Happy New Year and welcome to episode 9 of Something Inventive, a fridge full of cucumbers and lemons. John Johnson, organisational development guru, joins Al and I to welcome in 2017 by covering topics such as the difference between advertising and marketing, planning ahead and the importance of trust when making a purchasing decision. What a year 2016 was. It was actually really good at the beginning. It started really slowly. I felt productive. I felt I was getting stuff done, but then it accelerated and where the heck did it go? I'm joined with Al and John Johnson. He's a, a regular listener to the show, aren't you? I am indeed, Ben. Yeah. Um, we'll find out a little bit more about John later. But guys, how, how did your year go? Well, uh, very busy. But as you say, it started off fairly good. And then towards the end of the year, very busy, which is good too. We were working on three or four projects simultaneously, which yeah. is difficult, uh, especially with you know different timescales and, and things with the different clients. But um, no, we, we did it. And uh, the last, certainly the last quarter of the year was very, very busy. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, I think we produced some great websites. And uh, yeah, although in the wider world, some very crazy things happened. <laughs> but Two very big things, yeah. which we will not go into. No, you know, that's a different you know podcast. <laughs> that's a different podcast completely. So yeah, it should be exciting to see how things go online to, uh, the rest of this, uh, this year. Yeah, you did a sterling job, I must admit, Al. Um, John, how was your year? Yeah, very good, Ben. I mean... I agree with you. I um, was taking the Christmas tree down the other day thinking, I remember doing this just last week. Um, it feels like the year just disappeared. Um, I think that's partly having young children and uh, having little people growing up around you. You realise how quickly time goes. Um, but no, business-wise, was very, a very good year. Again, very, very busy. I thought December was going to be um, quite a dead month. Quite often things slow down. But mm. I felt like things actually sped up. And I think having Christmas over a weekend meant that the full week either side was uh, kept, kept the momentum going somehow, which uh, yeah, was did. quite confusing for, for me personally. <laughs> there is this kind of arbitrary deadline that people put on things for Christmas. Let's get it ready for the new year because that's the best time. But it, it's not always right in the new year to get something new launched. Mm. It can be. But um, there is this sort of arbitrary Christmas deadline. I think people want to get things done and dusted and can relax more at Christmas time with something <laughs> being completed. Yeah, and I guess with bigger companies as well, you're looking more at the budget. So the end of that financial year, so I've noticed that Christmas is that gone of light. We've got to have everything ready so that when we go back into the first quarter, the last quarter of the financial year, everything's in place. So I think that's another part of the reason that Christmas becomes that kind of stationary point of it's kind of a marker in the sand that, everything's going to start hitting the fan if we don't get things organised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there are those certain points during the year, and we, we talked about those on a previous podcast. You know, you've got the, the summer holiday time, you've got Christmas, you've got, the, yeah, the, uh, certainly for larger companies, you've got well, March, April, when budgets are being set and, and changed. And and I, I've i grown to embrace those, I think, and you, they're, they're quite good decision points for people. You know, and if you know when people and it's not to push people into decision, decision, but you know that there there's um, these points are there and they are putting pressure on people to make a decision on what they're going to do. And I think it's that they're useful for everyone, actually. Um, and, and while Christmas is a funny one because it, it doesn't it, it doesn't really affect things unless you, you're building a house and you need it ready for Christmas because you want to entertain your family in it. And really, whether you're building a website, whether it falls this side or slightly the other side. I mean, certainly if you're developing an e-commerce website that's just ready before Christmas, you're too late. It needs to be well in advance of that. So it is an interesting time. Yeah, and I think, I think it's a good point because I think planning is something that is something that I notice a lot of my clients are getting a lot more concerned about and thinking about is the fact that lead times, I think the consumer element of the way people are buying and the way the markets are changing, especially with internet being at your fingertips, people expect it now. And sometimes it's quite hard to plan for that. And, you know, we've been looking with some of my clients at the peaks and troughs of growth. And uh, it's quite interesting looking at how you plan for those well in advance. Mm. And some of the big companies online, um, you see, are offering same-day delivery on on things, Mm. which for SME, I mean, I imagine that's impossible to compete with. Um, Just the sheer bulk of orders that they get, they can afford to do it. I just, logistically, I don't know how they can... They can do that. Even up to nine o'clock, sometimes ordering, they can have it with you like next morning. 
Yeah. Well, that's phenomenal infrastructure, yeah. which isn't necessarily available to smaller companies. At, well, at a cost. Maybe you want to embrace the unique, the bespoke. Then in that in that aspect, where that gives you that allows you more time to make the product, make the delivery. I'll give you an example of that. We got some new sofas made by Made. It, made is a collaboration, isn't it? That they have it is, u- yeah. unique makers sort of working through the shop. It's a bit yeah. like Etsy. Yeah. Okay, so so basically, we they they had to make the sofa, so they certainly didn't come next day or even the same day. They were a month or two lead time, really, while they made them up. And I think what they're doing is good because they're embracing the fact that they're making it for you, very custom designed. Although maybe it's to a fairly standard design, but they're custom making it to your fabric and or maybe your little details and wheels and whatever you want on there. And I think the fact they're embracing that is good, and so it allows them to take a little bit longer just to get it right. And not having it in stock, so they can deliver it same day, because you that's it's difficult to compete with Amazon. You know, they they do a good job in terms of logistics. You know, there's lots of uh, other things that people don't like about them, but in terms of getting a product to you quickly, they do it very well. Yes. So I think with Made.com, they're really embracing the idea that they don't have to be quick, that they can actually create a product for you that's going to be unique to you. And I think that works very well. Yeah, and I think there's probably an element of understanding your consumer, understanding what your customer Mm. wants and requires. So, for example, for you, going to Made um, is because you want something that's slightly bespoke, because you want something slightly different. And indeed, I've just ordered a new bed, as you do in the sales. My wife got very excited and we ended up buying a new bed. And it's you have a bespoke headboard, so it takes X amount of weeks to come, and and it is understanding that what the consumer wants and and the expectation, because I'm quite mm. happy to wait for that. But I think in terms of some SMEs that are wanting maybe to compete in some of those bigger markets, for example, I've got some guys that sell commodity products that they need to be able to get it out at those peak times but it's understanding when those peak times are because actually the buying time is 12 weeks lead time so actually making sure that planning comes into place actually that's a massive part of their business that they've maybe not taken into consideration before because as you said ben when you get to christmas it's too late to be thinking about your your website or your you know what it is you're going to sell or how you're going to package it Actually, you need to be planning that. I was talking to a guy in retail the other day that works in one of the offices I'm based in, um, and he was saying he's buying stuff now for October next year. Yeah. And so it really made me kind of think about, you know, we don't, I wouldn't have a clue. I mean, I'm not a fashionable guy anyway, but I wouldn't have a clue what the fashion is going to be like in October. I mean, how do you predict that? But so there is that element of planning forward that I think, again, this time of year in January is, is a time when we're all thinking about the year coming. But actually, we're almost six months too late on planning for that. It's interesting you say on how do you know what's going to be coming up that, I mean, there are companies dedicated to understanding what the trends will be. And in some ways, they are setting the trend by trying to think about what they are. And when they publish what the trend is, that may well become what the trend is because everyone is following them. Certainly, I was reading in the newspaper about what the food trends are going to be for 2017. Now, I don't actually read the newspaper that much. It just happened to be lying around. That's how I get my news. Um, Arbitrary bits of paper that seem to float across uh, under my nose. But they were saying about food trends for 2017, you know, and and there were a lot of people trying to predict what those food trends are, what sort of different types of jacket potato or a different style (laughs) of some Japanese sushi that is going to come over and be really big that year. Uh, I found that fascinating. Yeah, I mean, we in our household are not, we're quite healthy eaters, I would say. Um, Obviously, at Christmas, there's an element of indulgence. And I did return home the other day we're not big into resolutions or fitness you know i believe in an element of fitness and there's there's a reason for that but i noticed the fridge was full of cucumbers and lemons um and that did disconcert me when i then got home to find that all these cucumbers and lemons are now in a jar with a stick of celery um and apparently that's good for filtration of the liver and apparently that's a, a new year thing okay right mm. so it's not for any alcoholic drinks or anything like that no pim no <laughs> No, no, although a drop of vodka in it might make it much more appealing. Um, I would like a bit more detail on the, on the foods for 2017, Ben, because if that's how it's going forward in my house, then I need to think something about uh, <laughs> you need to plan what my now. planning is for the rest of the year. I'll see if I can fi- find it, but I fear it was used to light the fire the other day. So. <laughs> As it's still a little bit cold. Um, I, I want to get on and introduce you, John, but before we do, can I just do this uh, the ticked-off ad read? 
So TikTok is for any startup or small business who wants to uh, promote themselves online. Uh, if you don't know where to start, who to trust, or you feel you're too busy running your company, which uh, we are often a lot of the time, uh, to make time for marketing, TikTok might be, well be a good fit for you. It provides you with simple tasks to act on right away, not add to your to-do list. Each task includes examples, downloads, all the steps needed to complete it, plus a big button to tick it off when you're done. Uh, we've designed TikTok so you can progress from newbie to pro at your own time, uh, developing confidence and learning more with each task. Uh, we've got a 30-day free trial. You literally don't need to enter any credit card details at all, just your name and email. And if you listen to this podcast, which you do if you're hearing this now, just let us know you've signed up by mentioning at Rather Inventive on Twitter or saying something nice about TikTok and I will give you another 60 days for free. So that's 90 days of TikTok. And if you're really on it, I reckon you'll run through all of the major fundamental tasks, which will really get your marketing going. TikTok helps you be the boss of your marketing one task at a time. John, what do you think of TikTok? Ben, I'm glad you asked me that question. Um, <laughs> just before Christmas, uh, you and I met and I said I really need to try this TikTok uh, product. Uh, I've been very pleased with it so far, although I've only done one step and it has been Christmas, <laughs> so I'm using that as my excuse today. Um, okay. I think taking people through one step at a time, uh, taking them through the task is really good. And I do as a have a file now downloaded that is my marketing file for all of my photos and all of my advertising material. So uh, once I get further, I would love to come back and uh, tell you how wonderful it is. But so far, so good. Yeah, no, we'd be happy to have you back, John. Um, so thank you for that. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Basically, John Johnson, you are a, you do lots of things, but you call yourself an organizational development person. I call you a guru. Tell us a little bit more about how you help businesses and what, what you do day to day. Okay. Um, thanks, Ben. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting question, and it's one of the reasons that I actually met with you, Ben, and uh, talk to you quite regularly on what is it that I do. Um, I help businesses, basically, and organizations identify their pain in terms of growth and development. So you guys obviously are very specific into marketing, and I work with other organizations that do things around finance or uh, HR. But basically, uh, I guess my role is to come in and help companies identify where those pain spots are and then help them identify ways in which they can overcome those problems mm. and certainly put structures and systems in place to help that. Uh, I kind of work as an associate manager in some companies that I work with, so I actually go in on a regular basis to help them develop um, those those strategies and plans uh, and get involved in the everyday to day part of businesses. So many of my companies uh, that I work with, you know, we, we've all know that phrase of are we in or on the business? Um, and in fact, we all know that if we're in an SME world, then the chances are we're quite often in the business and it's quite hard to see the wood for the trees. Mm -hmm. And so basically by coming in and bringing an external person like myself in that is strategically minded, I see beyond the trees and I see the bigger picture and try and help them develop that vision, uh, which brings in the growth and development for the future. Yeah, and, and you've got a very interesting way of starting off a relationship with um, companies as well, that, um, principals or even anyone within the business. And it's to really take them on a journey, an actual physical journey, a walk um, up a mountain often. And actually, yep. your, um, maybe people might remember a few podcasts ago, we, I, I mentioned your name because we've been on a walk with you, um, with Alex um, and Nick. Uh, was it Hay Bluff? Up Hay Bluff, yeah, and yeah, that's back. And you were giving us a sample, really, for what you do for businesses. And, and, and it's something that is so nice to be taken out of the business um, with other people that you, you trust and just go for a walk in a completely different environment. And I think you've got a lot of excellent feedback from, from your customers on that. Do you want to tell us a little bit more that pro about that process, how that came about? Yeah, indeed. I mean... For me, it's about getting that fresh perspective. Um, whenever we're in business, I think, you know, I, I've run my own companies um, and it's quite easy to sit behind the desk and get so involved in what you're doing. Uh, I, I guess I started looking into the kind of coaching, mentoring world a few years ago around how to help people develop personally within businesses because it can be a very very lonely place to be you know you especially if you know you've got a small team around you and you're the director who who is it that you talk to who is it that you share that stuff with and so i started looking at the whole kind of i guess ethos of life is a journey and actually we have these kind of ups and downs in the mountains that 
you know, sometimes we're up on a, on top of the peak and we can see everything around us and we think everything's wonderful. And then the next day we feel like we're down in the valley because, you know, something's happened or an order hasn't come through or the finance isn't there. And so with a background of mountaineering as a student, I used to uh, love getting up in the mountains and out in the ice up in Scotland and in the Alps. And it kind of helped me realize that actually some of those struggles sometimes when you're taking a climb are very similar to business. And so I developed a a model around the basis of business being like a mountain journey. Um, And so, yeah, we take our clients out and we'll, we'll take them up. We'll have some really hard climbs sometimes in the wind and the rain. And on other days, like when we went up with you guys, we had lovely weather. But but the fact is, right at the beginning of the journey, when we're sat in the stood in the car park, we have to make decisions on which route we're going to take. Are we going to take an easy route? We're going to take a hard route. And that from then on, we're having to make decisions, and we're having to stop and reassess and read the map and look at the directions. And so for me, that's that's how I kind of work into my, into businesses. Um, but yeah, certainly, if I take clients on, I quite often invite them as one of the first things of building relationship as well. So much of what I do is based around trust, um, and I have we have to there has to be trust both ways working um, with the clients, and therefore going up into the mountains and actually. Uh, having that experience together is good but it's also amazing uh, how on both sides of the uh, story we open up and talk a lot more when we're out in the fresh air when we're walking whereas if we're sat in a boardroom it can feel very much questions and answers and actually I want to get to know my clients holistically I want to understand who they are and what makes them tick and and what makes them do what they do and quite often I find I can't get to that in a boardroom but when I'm out on a mountain and we're talking about family we're talking about Christmas we're talking about our years ahead it's quite often one of those nuggets of of understanding what's really driving that person comes out. I think it it helps to bring people out of their comfort zone a little bit, especially if you've got a few senior managers who work together. They might work well in a business environment, but actually bringing them out allows them to be more them, more real. Yeah. They may have some pretense that they drop. I I think it's a a very strong uh, process that works very well. Yeah, certainly we take we've taken teams up into the hills and have worked together for years, and the conversations they've had and the things they've understood about the business by the end of it is very different to anything they've ever understood before. And you know, there was a bit of a craze, I guess, back in the '90s of kind of team building and getting your audio all of your team out and taking them up in the mountains or doing some kind of kayaking down the river. It was a huge industry for a while. And I think I'm not trying to revive that by any means, but there is an element of that that I think is actually really important is to get out of that work environment and remember that we're all human beings working. And what is it that we're actually working for and what drives us to do what we do on a daily basis and be really efficient and proactive in that? I think the difference in what you're doing, it's not labeled as team building. It's let's go for a walk and let's just experience it together. Mm. It's not like the classic team building where you've got your team of five and they've got to cross um, between two places with only five sticks and they've got to figure out what to do and no one's there to help them so they've got to work together and so all, all, all of these emotions come out of everyone. Mm. For you, it's very much, well, let's, let's just let's move some in neutral and let's just not worry about work. Let's just build a relationship and have a good conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, so much of business is down to the relationship you have with uh, your client or your colleagues or whoever you're working with. And if you've got a strong relationship, then um, you'll actually be able to weather a lot of things. Yep. Uh, you'll be able to come up with better ideas. And in fact, a couple we were talking to yesterday for their website project, and they're, they're very much in a very specific operational um, aspect of business development. And they said they're very much the same things. It's about the relationship. If you've got good relationships with people, yeah. more comes from that. Relational equity, I believe, is is so much of how business is being run. Um, and also, I think, when we look at that, not just in services, but also in the supply of products, I think that relational equity these days, you know, we talk about people buying online these days and people want to see what the reputation of that company is. You know, we're looking mm-hmm. for the 100%, the five stars, and although we might not associate that necessarily with trust, that's exactly what it builds. It builds a trust in what that, that person produces. And so I think that relational equity is so important. It does. And we rely a lot on what other complete strangers think of something as well. And there is that sort of peer uh, kind of pooling of, of experience of buying something. I mean, I'm a big buyer of things on eBay. If I see someone's with like 99.7% positive, I'm like, ooh. 
Yeah, that that's still an amazing endorsement of their capabilities. And I always check the negative ones. You know, oh, what went wrong there? <laughs> um, you know, so I'm, I do. I guess I'm quite um, typical of people. I do a bit of research into yeah people's uh, previous experience. <laughs> but yeah, even uh, one negative feedback can you know cost you business and sales. I think in future. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, Al, because um, I was talking to a builder the other day and he was saying how the industry is changing. And I, I was asking, you know, the reason behind that and, and what his feeling was. And he said, well, it used to be that somebody would ring you up, and this is a builder with a good reputation, they'd ring you up and they'd take you on site and ask you what they can do. He said, now I get a phone call and they send me something off a social media website or off the internet and say this is what I want and this is the specification mm -hmm. I want and this is how I want it to be done because they've done the research and they have an understanding and he said it is changing my business because I'm no longer just going out and building standard walls and putting standard windows in I'm having to research and say so actually what he was saying in the expansion of his company was he's having to think much more about the sourcing of products and the uh, the types of products people want because they're bespoke, not just off the shelf. So I found that really interesting, but that's come a lot from reading other people's um, feedback on this worked, but this is what I do differently next time. And then that's being fed back directly to the source of the yeah. person that's going to do the work. I mean, talk about customer power, you know, that is, you know, it really does. I mean, I've done quite a lot of things which I, the first idea had to do without the internet. I rely on it constantly for, to be able to do new things. Like, probably heard before i'm building a little garden office yeah. i've I, i've no idea what i'm doing but i've got information from so many different places all online and i just yeah. i often think back because we are a generation that didn't have the internet for quite a while i just think how did how did my parents do this how did anyone before us know how to do this you know and then you, i remember the, like the encyclopedias on the shelf and you think yeah. okay that was like the information there yeah. uh, or like the you know maybe the yellow pages and you just call an expert and they come out and they tell you what you do and you're like okay just kind of what you're saying like now the customer becomes the expert and, yeah. and the builder becomes the the person who has to may, maybe even learn a new skill themselves in order to do some of the jobs yep. so uh, yeah it is a kind of a, a bit of a role reversal so that yeah. that actually leads us quite neatly into the first topic question which is um what's the difference between advertising and marketing and i think a lot of what um we're talking about here in online research really for me comes down to marketing good marketing but um, maybe, John, do you want to take this question? So it's what, what is the difference between advertising and marketing and which area should I focus on? Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting question because um, partly what we've just been talking about with the builder is actually we're having to think much more about the psychology of marketing mm. in terms of providing the, the person that's going to buy our product or service with understanding what it is they want in their pocket and what they're prepared to pay for rather than just having a nice website or nice brochures that people are going to pick up somewhere and say, oh, that's a really nice idea. Because actually, I think the, the way the consumer is working is changing dramatically. And I think, so for me, that question around advertising and marketing is a really interesting one because I think quite often we're still thinking in an advertising form of showing off what we've got mm. rather than what a lot of the big players are doing in terms of looking at algorithms of how people are working and, and, and the understanding of buyer drive. They're actually working to that psychology of consumer behavior, which for me, taking that into a lot of the companies I work with are SMEs, that's quite a hard challenge because there's something there of not just having something that looks really nice to tell the customer what it is that we provide, but we're actually having to tell more stories and educate people more on what the products are and almost re-educate them into the positives against what they might have seen as traditional methods of doing things or traditional products. So I'm finding that a really interesting question myself in the business world. So I'd be interested to know what you guys, from a professional point of view, take on that as well. It's funny because I was just thinking uh, um, similarly recently on Facebook, see a lot of you know little product adverts on there and videos for things, mm. like really, usually quite an innovative thing. I saw one yesterday for like, an electric lighter, uh, not just for cigarettes, but for like lighting anything. Right. Um, and so they, you know, it's like revolutionary kind of, you know, lighter. And of course, that's worldwide potentially. And people share it and it just grows. And, you know, those people on there, you know, they want to buy them. And in, in one sense, I don't even need to go to their website at all. Mm. What's their website for? Just the till, really. Mm. Um, I mean, I didn't buy one, but people were like, yeah, you know, going through, click, buy. You, 
because there's so many people thinking it's a great idea and endorsing it, you've kind of got this sort of weight behind you. You think, yeah, all these other people think it's great too. I don't need to be told by them that it's good. I can see what it does. Brilliant. You know, and it really, that, they don't need a site to say how good it is, what technology it uses. It just looks great and I, I want one. <laughs> and was that an advert or was that a post which was naturally shared? Can't remember. It might have just been, it might have been an advert. The benefit of um, social media advertising is you can have an advert that looks like a natural post, but it's just pushed to more people. And the fact then I can't remember the, is a good sign. No, that's good. <laughs> and then you can get the comments, shares, likes, whatever you want on there. So it then feels natural. So when you see it, it's got some social weight behind it rather than just being an advert in the corner of your screen that you can disregard. I think that does make a huge difference. Yeah, and leading to something else said a few minutes ago as well about other people, I find if something's shared and it's somebody that I know and trust, then I'm like, what is it they're looking at? And I, I kind of get inquisitive about products that yeah. or, or videos that wouldn't have even interested me if I had just gone to a website, I'd have probably flicked straight off it. But because that person that I know that likes that specific thing has looked at it and shared it, and there's loads of comments about it i get drawn in and i've heard lots of people kind of saying i don't know but i lost about an hour and i got to this point of this product and it's like i went through all these and so there's a there's a really different layering approach to how somebody you know and so one of my questions around the marketing side of that is how do we get people and and so for example if i've got a building product at what point are people starting to think about the building product? It's not when they've made a decision that they're going to build an extension. It's actually that they. the first question might be, do I need planning permission? Mm. Well, how do I get to the psychology? How do I get my posts at that point when somebody's thinking about planning permission? Or is, it, is that where they're going to start? Because actually it's that layering approach to marketing that I'm finding quite fascinating. Yeah, mm. I, think it's, I think it's not about one one source certainly with when advertising in its heyday it was about um if you had enough money you could pump out your message to people on a few channels and they would see it and buy it and you, you've got a certain percentage return on that and you can spend more money on it get more people to see it and you get more sales with advertising the way we have it now we can skip through it we can ignore it and you have to have advertising that is good that is intriguing, that is different for people to want to do something with it. However, with marketing, and I, th- I think the two are linked, but they are distinctly different. Mm. With marketing, yep. it's very much about putting those seeds out there for people to find that marry in with a particular need they have or pain point or something they're looking up. And so I think really you can use it, going back to your question, it, it's really looking at it at different points. You, you need to make sure that the person who's making the decision about the product is aware of it, but maybe they're not the person who makes the final decision. It could be the builder who is actually putting it in. So the client may know about it and request it, but also you want the builder to know about it and spec it because it saves them time or money. And they need to almost be warmed up to this over a period of time. So there is an advertising piece, which is a reminder, a call to action to buy, to do, to call. But there's also the marketing piece, which is educating them about that product and informing Mm. them that it's better because they may be looking up different ways of doing it. Mm. And it may not even be that you can reach that particular builder through any method at all. It may be you have to reach other people who then educate the builder. So there's, there's different channels, really. Maybe you need a third-party mechanism. You need to educate um, an architect who's then working with the builder, who's telling right, the builder, you've got to use this, otherwise it's, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, expensive for everyone, a waste of time for that particular system. So mm. I, think there's, I think, really, there's a lot of mechanisms that can work, and it's not just one anymore that it used to be. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's where you know, we started at the beginning of this podcast about planning and thinking about planning ahead is is really interesting in terms of that Ben because I think actually so much of that is around having to think about those different stages and those different processes and and I guess it comes back to that being in or on the business it's very difficult sometimes when you're within the business to really be able to understand those different you know we have customers we have a product that we have to provide to them by a certain time we have to get the invoices out we have to get the money back in and that's how business rolls thinking about all these different avenues is very interesting but also the educating of your consumer and your builder they might be slightly, well, they will be different messaging 
yeah. they will be different targets. And so therefore, bringing all that together is, a, is really interesting in terms of the planning aspect of your, your marketing strategy. Going back to something to Al said about um, reviews online and, and looking at the negative reviews and, and looking for other trust signals, really. Have you seen these uh, on shopping sites where little pop-ups will appear, which will say, Stephen bought this product five hours ago. Have you seen that sort of thing? There's actually, I can't remember their name. I'll see if I can find it for the notes. But there is a company who allows you to buy the service from them. They'll query your database and then generate these pop-ups based on your order history. So it is real. They're not making it up. Well, at least this company isn't. I was going to say that that would be the question that I would always have been when something like that comes up. I'm like, isn't that suspicious that that's popped up? I am skeptical. Especially the fact that Facebook, I can look at something on another website and then Facebook the next day can give me an advert of the very same thing. Then when, yeah. when I'm being told somebody else is buying, I'm like, that's really good marketing, but I'm not buying it because I don't trust you. Yeah, but it does work at like the human psychology aspect of, um, of, of showing like low numbers of things has always been proven yeah. to show demand uh, and value will increase with the less number of items there are. So on eBay, also it'll say five of these sold in the last hour, and then there's like two left. I'm like, immediately you get that little, oh, I've got to do this now or I'm not going to get it. Fear of missing out as well. So, yeah. Um, but yes, and again, it's what other people's behavior always influences your behavior. And that's something you wouldn't get from necessarily a print advert in the old days, but certainly online, now they can show you other people's behavior, not just like what other people bought, because often that doesn't seem relevant to me at all. But what other people are doing with this particular thing, yeah. Um, yes. Well, it gives you confidence as well. You think, well, someone else has bought it, so it must be okay. And you do get yeah. some confidence that you can return certain things. But do, do you think this is a different discipline? I mean, you've got advertising and you've got marketing, but this isn't that sort of thing isn't, I wouldn't say is necessarily marketing because you're in a decision point. You're, you're, you're at the moment of decision. You, you, you've, all the marketing has brought you to the site. You're looking at the product. You're in the checkout. And it's, it's, it's a different discipline almost, isn't it? It's a sales discipline, really. It's the tipping point from marketing into sales, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it's that bit that takes you over the edge to get you to click that button. Um, mm. I, I, saw, I read a really interesting thing last night, actually, about price anchoring, which I'd yes. heard of before, but I didn't know the, the terminology for it which is um, when anyone hears a number or price for something, they, they cannot get it out of their head as being the base price to go higher or lower than. Um, so even if you give a, you know, an arbitrarily high value on something and then you say it's this much, they, people cannot psychologically get the original price out of their head. And they did various tests on this. Um, and they even told people what the test was for and why they were doing it. And they still gave them the number and said, ignore this number. We're only telling you this to see if this works. It's ignore it. And even then, people would put a higher value on this item than people who hadn't had that number. And it, it works even with um, uh, with judges. I, I read an article about that a, a while back where um, if, if a judge uh, is like told, you know, this person will get 20 years, they cannot get that out of their head in order to measure the amount of sentence. Like it's still, even if it came from nowhere and it was not relevant, it, it influences decision making. Uh, yeah. uh, so I, I found that really interesting. And again, these these little psychological tips and tricks to get, I guess, from the marketing to the the actual sale. Um, again, saying there's not many left, or this is the price. Like this was the was price, and this is the now price. Is it like those JML adverts? But wait, there's more. <laughs> not only for nine ninety nine, you get two extra brushes. And I want, it, it sounds very similar. You think, oh, that, that's, that's an okay deal, but that's even better now. And you, mm. you, you're, you're sort of calculating and dividing it by the amount of brushes or knives that you're going to buy. Yeah, on a psychological basis, I've, I've heard several companies talking around uh, the fact that people judge everything against their mobile phone bill. So if yes. I pay £40 a month for my mobile phone bill and then I'm going to have this service actually do i rate that more or less than my mobile phone bill and that's yeah, how that's they categorize whether it's good value or not and i find that really bizarre do that you, um, must be why i'm such a skin flint because i've got really low mobile bill and i just <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, don't, go like, contract. I, I basically still see the world like it's the 1970s I, I like to pay 1970s prices for things that explains a lot yeah there you go um as a side side note on that, being a uh, Titan, a skinflint, which I can can very much be. Although as I grow older, I, I I'm a bit looser on that. Um, with parking, I used to I used to get 
annoyed at price the price of parking and and often it, and what i've i've found it to be is that i don't like having to carry cash so that i can pay a parking meter it's frustrating and now a lot of them have apps which once you get over the frustration of downloading the app and putting your details in that it removes the friction of one worrying that you've got money and two how long you're going to park there for because often i don't know whether it's going to be an hour or three. And it's really nice just to put it in uh, two hours and top it up later when it reminds you it's running out. And because it removes that pain point, that friction, what I didn't like, I now don't worry about the cost of parking within reason. I'm not, it, it's not my main focus thinking about whether that's a pound or five pounds. It's more that it's, it's providing me with that convenience. Yeah, so it wasn't actually the cost. It was yeah. actually the convenience of of paying for it and once yeah. you've overcome that yeah i wonder in the future if, if life will just be you'll just live and just do all this stuff so you'll park you'll get food but you'll get charged at the end of the month for everything you've incurred from everyone <laughs> you know, i don't dangerous think, like i know right? i just think well every, people that they know where you are they know where your car is they know it's parked in this bay for this, this amount of time you know maybe that will free up all of this sort of paying for things that pays you go you know i don't know and i guess to a certain degree there's a piece of psychology behind that as well because Again, it's funny, isn't it? If you pull a £5 note out of your pocket or a £10 note and you pay for something and you get the change, you realise that that's how much it costs. Whereas when you put it on a credit card or do it on your phone, it, it doesn't, because you don't get the change, you don't realise the transaction that's happened. I yeah. guess that's how a lot of the coffee shop chains work, is that you just keep putting it on and you don't even think about what you're spending. Mm. Yeah, I remember buying a car once in cash. That for some reason I had to go to the cash point every day to get out the like the maximum amount of money, and just ended up with this enormous amount of money in the house. Yep. <laughs> and when you hand over that amount of money to someone, you're like, wow. But I wonder in future if that value of paper money, money. will disappear because you've got contactless cards, you know, um, Apple Pay and all these sort of things. Money maybe doesn't have the value it does have if it's not a real thing. This could be a good topic for another time because I mean, John and I are talking about, I mean, I, I like subscriptions or at least regular payments. I think that that makes it easier for us as a company and, and easier for the, the, our client. Um, it's something you know, I think you were looking at, John, as well. That, that could be something we could tackle another day because I think how you price things uh, to make it easier for people to buy and, and to make that friction easier, I think is really important. We, we were talking about planning earlier. And um, one of the one of the questions uh, that John brought up is what really is a marketing plan and, and do we need one? What what would be in a marketing plan? Because it's something a lot of people want to do. And I think to a certain degree, when we've covered some of that in the, in the previous elements of thinking about these different aspects that come into marketing, so who is it we're trying to talk to? How are we getting their message across to them? And where do they need to be hit with that message? And I, I guess for me, but in the past, seeing businesses with marketing plans, it's a really kind of straightforward funnel. And now with all the different mediums we've got and the different people that we're trying to talk to in terms of consumers and end users, bringing all of those elements together is really important. Um, so within that, feel that quite often uh, a marketing plan can no longer be a standalone piece of paperwork or a... Yeah a document that we look at to say this is our company marketing plan mm. actually there's so many factors that are involved in that and actually working out to make sure that within our marketing plan we don't become busy fools doing lots of something that isn't bringing in a good return is something that we really need to consider but to bring the balance and the analysis of that has to come with those financial figures has to come with that reporting so for me um that question around the uh, what do I need in one is is really I think I guess it's very bespoke and I guess you guys are the professionals on that in terms of, of what do we build into that and what is it that we're trying to sell but then how do we measure that because for me yeah. if I'm looking at marketing I am looking for an investment but I'm looking for the return on the investment and therefore how do I monitor that on a monthly or a six monthly basis yeah without making it too complicated to answer that question, there are a number of things that we, we would do. Sometimes you need a potentially a more formalized plan, but I think there's different aspects. You've got the objectives, what you hope to achieve. So we want to increase sales by 20% over this time period. I'm not so worried about whether that actually happens, but you've got to say what you want to happen, otherwise you'll never you'll never really be able to push up, up to that. So you need mm. you need the goal to move towards. And then you, you need to make sure you're measuring the right thing. 
So is it, is it sales we're actually looking at? And what drives sales? And look at all the things that move that. So there's the one aspect is setting different objectives. And we tend to work with about two to three objectives um, and have them smart so they're fairly time-bound. So they can be completed. You can see when they're, they've actually um, been achieved. And then you have um, a marketing plan, which I look at that as the year ahead. So it's what are we doing in January? What are we doing in February? What are we doing in March? And so on, going forward as far as we can think. Um, And obviously, nearer the time you are right now, it's going to be more detailed. And as you go into the future, it's just general broad ideas. And so Mm. you've got these goals and objectives and then a plan of how you're going to achieve those goals and objectives. Um, And then as we get closer, so say we're in January, we're thinking about February, we need to start thinking about detail. What specific tasks need to be actioned to achieve February and and get everything done in February? Um, And that works quite well, having those sort of three uh, aspects. You've got the high level overview for six or 12 months. You've got each month loosely what we're going to do, what topics on the blog, um, whether we're going to start um, an AdWord campaign, what it's going to be about, and you know whatever it might be, and then the specific detailed tasks for each month, the running order really, what what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, and that that's how we tackle it. Mm. And you talk about a twelve-month kind of uh, look ahead for the next twelve months. So, do you, do many of your clients are they now thinking of January eighteen? Yeah, they would be thinking of the end of this year right now. But yeah, they'd start to look ahead. It would be probably a little bit later in the year, next uh, three, four months, then they'd start looking into next year. We, what we don't tend to get into, although we do get pulled into it, is the business objectives, which is the aspect you're looking at, where you might be looking at 12 or more yep. ahead. Because you do touch on a lot of the marketing aspects. You just don't tend to get involved in the day-to-day detail of it. Um, and I think where, where you're really well placed is that you're looking at that strategy over a longer term and, and building that business um, around that strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is that investment to make sure that actually we're building everything together. Because again, one of the things that I've seen some clients with some great marketing objectives and plans, but actually then they haven't necessarily brought all the resources and everything into that or Mm. thought about everything that needs to pull together to get to that outcome which may be in 12 months time and it goes back to that whole wood for trees sometimes when you're in it thinking about what's happening next week and the deliveries you're making and the assignments you've got to get out actually thinking beyond that can be quite a stretch and sometimes you need to stand on top of a mountain to get that fresh perspective yes and that's that's one of the things you're interested in about that a lot of businesses might have a marketing or financial plan but actually pulling that plan together for all the different departments into some sort of master plan of sorts was something quite important to you yeah i i guess one of the um strategies i always look at is that kind of boardroom analysis of actually when when we when we look at corporate businesses and they have a boardroom they have all the different officers come around the table to bring all their different departments together and from that the board together will make a decision and so when i'm working even with very small companies i'm still bringing those aspects together of actually if we had all those different departments we still need to come to a point where all of those different elements come together that give us the detail to drive a plan forward to make sure that we're going in the direction so yeah you're absolutely right when i when i'm talking about marketing i'm trying to fit it in with making sure that we're also hitting financial targets and that we're making sure that we have the resources that actually if we're going to increase by 20 percent of our sales what knock of knock-on effect does that have to manufacturing or what knock-on effect does that have to our sales team to our crm system how are we going to handle the phones how are we going to so it's, it's all those different elements that i like to draw or try to draw together because mm-hmm. the ultimate drive is efficiency and so it's great to have increased sales but then coming back to everything we've been talking about today if our reputation drops down or we get a bad review uh, because our service hasn't been there because we haven't thought of those elements then we've kind of had a great marketing plan but we've kind of failed the business because we haven't pulled it all together yeah hopefully we we tend to find businesses or work with businesses that always have a great product and a great business anyway so we don't we don't we, we do get involved in those aspects but um that's not um it's not something that we're pushing towards yeah no. so just to finish off i i don't really do news resolutions i know john you're not big into it but it would be 
I think it's good to look at what we're hoping to achieve over the next year, what things that we would like to do differently. Um, I've got a few things that I'd like to do, but perhaps, John, you can start and then we'll go out and back to me. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ben. I don't really do New Year's resolutions. And, you know, I'm sure lots of people out there uh, are thinking about the fitness and the, the whole thing. And actually, I learned about 10 years ago that that lasts about three weeks. Um, <laughs> by the time I get to February, I'm, I'm, I'm back on the steak and eating the chips. Um, the words that I think are, are foremost in my mind, actually, and I've read a few books uh, of business leaders that kind of say, at the end of the day, there's a question I always ask myself. And the words that keep coming to me so far this year are bit better, bigger, better, stronger. What what is it that I've done today that's made me a little bit bigger, better, and stronger in mm -hmm. in all sorts of elements? It doesn't have to necessarily be in a business growth, but in a personal level with my family, with you know how I feel about myself, within fitness, whatever. And actually, if I can answer that question every day to just look back and think what is it that's made me bigger better and stronger that's just one of the things that i'm going to take up this year and i'll let you know one day if it lasted past february <laughs> well i think that covers everything that any of us could say that's uh, that does it um <laughs> yeah thanks, mine John. seems really pathetic now <laughs> in comparison so uh, yeah mine's, <laughs> mine's much more practical than <laughs> get your shed done ethos. i think is one of them yeah yeah get my shed done yes uh, and i think yeah on a more practical level just trying to keep up a bit more with some web technologies for me. It's very easy. There's so many new things coming out. Probably when we've been on the phone now, there's been a new JavaScript library released that's really useful that I don't know about. Uh, it's just, and that is what it's like in the web world of just having to keep up. So I just need to get into more like SAS, which is like a sort of CSS preprocessor system. Very techy. And yeah, and some just some more front end frameworks, which I hear banded around a lot, which it's one of those things. When you work for a small company like ours, there's not always time to take time out to learn these things. So it's almost like finding a project that will fit one of these frameworks and then just use it. And it's going to be painful, but it's, it's one of those things you have to do. You can't just stay in a corner and use the same tools you've always been using. You know, unlike a carpenter maybe who has over years honed the process, it's constantly changing. So I just I think I'm just aware this year I've got to yeah up my game maybe a little bit. Not that I'm playing a bad game, but... Uh, <laughs> You just got to keep on top of these things, and um, yeah. By by frameworks, you mean uh, WordPress is a good example of a framework. It's a very full featured framework. <laughs> it do, does a lot, but WordPress is actually a foundation. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. I read that Do somewhere, and I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking more about like React and Angular, like JS frameworks. Yeah predominantly for front end yeah um, a lot of that goes flying past me well i need to know more about i, I, I know too. i know loosely what they are but they're, they're above there's they're kind of it, on a need to know basis i don't i don't really need to know because it they're very they tend to be very functional very useful for getting things done quickly and efficiently not so much affecting the marketing output well, I'm glad you said that, Ben, because I just thought I'd jumped into a different podcast for a minute there. So sorry. <laughs> well, I'm just putting a few technical things in there for any technical listeners. But uh, well, yeah, overall, I mean, I'm going to detail, but overall, it is just keeping my skills up, I suppose. Yeah, you have to. So that that's really the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. But as usual, I go into incredible detail about things. I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, but if that's your passion. That's your interest. You want to, you're interested in, in that detail element. Mm -hmm. For me, um, there's, there's, one main thing really is I, I want to be more open to other ideas. Now, I mean, I, I like Apple. This is a good example. I like Apple stuff. So Apple, whatever Apple kit, whether it be the new headphone things I'm wearing or an iPad or the Mac, whatever. And I, I really like that. I find it very useful as a tool. That's one of the reasons I like it. But I want to be open to how other people use other systems such as Windows, Android, Linux. And just because I'm interested in those, but I think it gives you another angle and opinion on uh, on why people use the tools that they use. And okay, I'm speaking about technology specifically, but I'm also looking at, um, I like listening to podcasts. So I want to listen to more podcasts which are out of my comfort zone, which aren't about technology, which aren't about design, which maybe have more female presenters on, people I, I haven't heard of who are just left field, who, who might be interesting. They may not be good, they may not be interesting to me, but I want to have more experience of that. Another thing I'd like to do added on to that is try and get out of the office more. I don't spend all the time in my office, I go and visit clients. But to try and spend time um, away from work specifically and have other experiences 
uh, in museums and, and, and various things like that. Just because, and, and retail environments as well in, in physical reality, because I find that actually spending time just observing gives me more insight in, that can be useful in, in what we do. It, there, so that's a bit wishy-washy, but that's what I'd like to do. <laughs> I'd like to spend more time really enjoying what's out there and, and just experiencing different things because I think that will only benefit me. Uh, I can always recede back into my shell uh, should I want to do that later on. Um, John, it's been good to have you on. The time has actually flown by really, really quickly. So I hope we can have you uh, back on, not just to talk about TikTok and uh, how much you love it, <laughs> but... But just really, uh, it might be good to talk, talk about pricing and use that as a, as a topic, because I think there's a lot there. And it's, it's such a difficult subject as to, you know, what, how people price things. So I'd, I'd like to do that or, you know, another yeah, that'd topic be good. if we can. Yeah. Um, yep. So uh, where can we get you online? Ben, you can't get me online because uh, I don't market myself. Um, my marketing strategy is word of mouth, is built on trust and uh, reliability. So you can feel free to drop me an email if you've got any questions from anything we've said today or any feedback on things we've said today. Uh, and uh, I'm sure Ben will put my email address in the, I won't, um, yeah. in, in the I notes. I won't read it out now. <laughs> no, that's a good idea. Or drop me a phone call. But yeah, that's what I do for marketing, Ben. I'm traditional. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, and it and, and it works. No referrals work exceptionally well. They're they're often the best way to get uh, new leads. You can catch Al at Inventive Al on Twitter and me at Ben Kinnaird on Twitter or Rather Inventive at Rather Inventive on Twitter. TikTok was our sponsor for this uh, episode. If you want to go to tick-off.com, uh, sign up completely free for 30 days. You don't even need to enter a credit card. Give it a try. See what it's about. It might even help you uh, be better at your marketing. And if you mention us on Twitter or any other social media or just say a nice word and give us a, a good testimonial on, on how you thought of it so far uh, using our email, uh, we'll give you another 60 days for free. Thanks very much, guys. Really good to talk to you. I hope you have superb New Year, John, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Excellent. Thank you very much. Cheers, Ben. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.